Welcome to the DevReady podcast, where we're helping non-techs build better tech. Today, we have Adam Turner joining us. Adam is a freelance journalist, um, writes for the likes of The Age, Sydney Morning Herald. Adam, thanks, thanks for joining for having us. Me. Cheers, mate. Thanks for coming on. And today, we wanted to take a deep dive in and learn a bit about how you might write for your startup business to get something published in in maybe the news or on a blog or just getting your your story out there. So I just wanted to share that journey with you and have a bit of a chat about that. So Adam, let's take a few steps back. Let's talk about who you are, your background, and pretty much how you got into journalism. Sure. Okay. Well, let's see how far back we want to go. (laughs) (laughs) I have been a freelance technology journalist for 15 years. I'm based in Melbourne, so I'm very much locked down at the moment with a curfew for the first time in, you know, since I was about 14. (laughs) And before that, I worked for The Age. So I started at The Age as a cadet in 1998, having done a journalism and politics degree at Deakin University in Geelong. And I was a cadet for a year and then I worked on, so you work your way around the paper. And then I was on Green Guide for a year. So that's the entertainment section of the age. And then in 2000, I moved to the IT section. Just as the dot-com crash came along and the ass fell out of everything. So when I joined this section, <laughs> the me. editor's like, make sure you keep your passport up to date. You'll be going places and doing things. And then boom, no, it all just went to hell. And then nothing. But still, that was great because I was a nerd and I... I'd always been interested in technology and I could write. And so that was the marriage of the two things that I was really good at and interested in. So that, yeah, that was 2000. And then I, about 2005, I was deputy editor and my son was about 18 months old and my wife was going back to work because she got 18 months leave, 12 months leave, sorry, because she paid for work for a university. And I thought, you know, I I think it's time to, to do my own thing to get out of here and they were about to make a few changes to my role which meant a few things were being added to my job for maybe a bit less money and i'm like yeah i think you've just made the decision for me i was teetering the edge that's that's made the decision so i went out on my own and the age and well fairfax is so the age the sydney one Herald was still my biggest customer at least back then but then i started writing for other people as well and for the first few years it was just consumer tech so i was writing for the likes of Macworld and APC and those kind of consumer tech magazines. And then after a couple of years, I started to write BizTech as well because when I worked at the paper, I was the worked on the I was the deputy editor of the BizTech section, not the consumer tech section. So I knew this stuff really well and it was a bit stupid not to take on this kind of work when I, I was good at it and I knew how to do it. And so that kind of expanded over time until probably more of my work was coming from BizTech than consumer tech. Then at the same time, I also started to move into corporate writing. So things like uh, writing white papers, ghost writing for people, thought leadership. You might have a business and you want to have a blog and you want to talk about your industry and not to spruik yourself, but you know to be as like a trusted advisor in the industry. You know what you're talking about, but you maybe struggle a little bit to be articulate and put it all together. You come to me, I talk to you on the phone, I polish it, make it sound good, I send it back to you, you send some money and the dance continues. So that's the kind of thing that I do. And now more of my money comes out of that, especially because the journalism work has slowed down a bit because of the nature of the industry. And at the moment, it's even worse. So the bulk of my money actually now comes from that kind of stuff. Plus, I have my own consumer tech podcast called Vertical Hold Behind the Tech News that I do every week with another freelance technology journalist. And we've been doing that for seven years now, which I think it what in 
podcast years is what forty nine. <laughs> podcast years are like that's dog a clear years. effort. Yeah, well done. So, um, <laughs> very, so, very long time. Um, so yeah, that's that's really good, and that's one of my. I can still get my consumer geek on, even when I spend the whole week just you know writing about supply chain management and whatever. I can still uh, get on that and talk consumer tech. And I mean, the MBN is what we've talked about more than anything else. It's our soup du jour. Okay. So um, all of those <laughs> things it. keep me busy. Yes. Plenty there. Thanks. A bit of a take there. And so, so for 20 years, you've been on your own. I've been a journal for more than 20 years yeah. and I've been on, yeah. freelance for yeah. about 15. Yeah, perfect. Well, thanks for sharing that. So writing. Now, it's not something that we all love. It's something that we are starting to get a grip of we yeah. need to do. And I think we're all in a, in a marketplace where there's blogs everywhere. There's content all over the place. Where do you start if you want to start looking to sell your story around your business? Uh, what should we do if we are a, a business out there or even just running a blog or whatever we might be doing to get maybe publicized in other places to get our name out there? Where should we start? The first thing you need to do is think about who you want to reach and then you figure out how you're going to reach them because there's no point pitching your ideas to editors and journalists who aren't interested, especially if it shows that you've done no research. Like I just said, I cover mm, like the broad gamut of consumer and business tech. So if you send me a press release about anything vaguely techy, even if I'm not maybe that interested in it, it's like, yep, yeah, fair enough, that's my thing. But when I get an email that says, dear Mr. Turner, would you like to review our range of garden furniture? That's when I get... <laughs> that makes sense. Shitty. It's like you have done yep. zero research. You know nothing about me. You haven't even spent 30 seconds Googling my name to see what I'm interested in and what I do. You are not worth my time. And so that's the first mm. thing you need to do. Sit down, look at the online publications and the print publications that the people you want to reach would read and then think about what kind of stories do they run? How could I fit in here? How could they look at me and go, yeah, there's a story in that? And how could that audience then be interested? And that's your starting point. And then you build up like a, a hit list of, right, here's the top four or five publications I'd like to appear in. And here's not just that, but here's the the editors or the journalists that I should target. Because if you want to, well, say, for example, you wanted to appear in the business pages of the age, you're not going to email the editor-in-chief of the entire age or the entire nine facts, whatever. They don't care. They want to, don't want to hear from you. So you've got to figure out, all right, who is the business tech editor? Or perhaps even better than that, who is the journalist who writes a business tech section, who writes about the kind of things that I do? Because editors have a million things on their plate because they've got to argue about not just content, but also the advertising side. And it gets ugly. That's why I left because I didn't want to do that job. But if you go for a specific journal, well, say you, you were looking at the paper and then you saw, all right, Adam writes about what we, we write about. Rather than going to the editor, I'm going to go to Adam. Now, if you pitch it to me and I think it sounds interesting and I think my editor will find it interesting, I will basically pitch it to them. And I know what they're interested in better than you do. And they know that I'm not going to waste their time. So they will read every email that I send them where they, you know, they will skim everything else. So I will pitch it on your behalf if I think there's a story in it for me. And because I understand that area, I might even be able to do a better job of pitching it to them than you can because I know what the newsy angle is, even if you maybe missed it a little bit, and I know what this editor likes. So that's one of the best ways to go. Figure out the publications you want, figure out the specific people in the publications that you want. Know them well enough that you're not pitching them garden furniture when they're not, they don't write about garden furniture. That's your starting point. If you don't have that list, then the rest of it, you're kind of wasting your time because you just, you know, it's a shotgun approach. 
Yeah, and that's a similar, probably analogy to a startup developing a product anyway. They have to understand their market and exactly. their customer. Yeah, same basic concept. Otherwise, they're pitching an idea to the wrong Yeah, wrong and it people. doesn't matter how good the thing is if you're pitching it to the wrong people and going about it the wrong way. Yeah, it's always yeah. going to be a problem. Now, what would you say would be how you would sort of like structure that content? Once you say, once you've identified who your target is, do yeah. you start with an idea about your product or what the benefits are or what's your angle? Well, that's going to come down to who your target publication is and who the target editor or journalist is and who your intended audience is, which is why you need to figure all that out first. What I do whenever I'm writing any kind of story is if I've got, if I've been given a brief from an editor, right, this is what I want the story to be about. Or if I've got my own ideas of this is what I want the story to be about, I paste that at the top of the document. And then as I'm writing the story, if I ever get stuck or I'm not sure what to go next, or maybe I'm losing my way, I go back to the brief and read the brief again. You want to write your own little brief for this press release that you're trying to write. So at the top of the page, you want to write, the target publication is X, the target editor is Y, the target audience is Z. And this is what I think these people will find interesting about what I do, because not if you're sending press releases to 10 different people, you're not necessarily going to send them all exactly the same text because some of them might be mm -hmm. interested in different things or have different audiences. And you might find that 80% of your press release you can keep, but almost every time you want to rewrite the intro and maybe rewrite the end because you're trying to specifically target that person. So you've got to figure out all of that stuff first, put it at the top. Once you've got all that, then it's much clearer all right, where do I start? What's the point that I'm trying to make here? And what's the goal that I'm trying to achieve? That's the other thing you want to put up there. What's the goal you want here? Do you want them to hopefully republish what you've sent them word for word, which our smaller publications will tend to do because they just don't necessarily have the resources to produce it all themselves? Or are you hoping that they will say, hey, this sounds like a good story and contact you to interview you? Because if you write something yourself, the Age, the Sydney Morning Herald, the Australian, the Australian Financial Review, they are not going to publish what you said word for word, not unless you're famous, not unless you're a public figure. But they might read it and go, mm -hmm. okay, this is a good story. Let's give this person a call. So have that in mind. Or is it that you want to be included in something else that they're doing or you want them to review your product or speak to you? Know what that is because that's where then you've got to work into it. What's your basically call to action is a phrase that people would know. What is it that you want them to do after reading this? Yeah. So in having a look, I know I've had a look at um, one of your profiles online and you wrote an article about Dolby at my soundbars yeah. sound recently. So an angle would be in consumer tech, how does that feel for like a movie yeah. in your home to you? And then it might be how, what sort of audio quality does it have to like an audiophile yeah. journalist and then to a graphic like a design magazine or something how does it look exactly. in your house so it's the same thing but three different exactly. ways exactly that's a really good way of looking so, at it. and yeah it's yeah, just say it's the same thing but you're looking at it from the difference and if you mix them up and send them to the wrong people they're all going to go no this isn't for me even though it's about the exact same product yeah the auto file doesn't care how it yeah. looks in your house no that's, that's right. right yeah <laughs> very true so when you talk about a couple of things there and how people should why should people should care what's your outcome what should I be? What should my outcome be when I'm talking to an audience or trying to get publicised? Should it be about my product, or should it be about getting an outcome for the readers? What should my outcome be? That kind of varies from case to case. It's pretty hard. There's no real generic answer for that. And if it's a consumery thing, or if you're trying to move a yeah. product, then I guess you want to talk mm -hmm. about the product. But it's a bit like 
I mean, most leaders would know the concept of thought leadership. If you're writing Mm -hmm. a thought leadership post, it's not 800 words about I am so great. It's 800 words about here's some stuff that I know that you might find helpful in what you do. And by the way, I am so great. If you see the difference. So it's helping them know stuff. So, And you'll find particularly if you're aiming probably more at a business audience, so more biz tech rather than consumer tech, it's here's some helpful stuff that I know that will help you make good decisions. For example, Mm -hmm. I do a lot of work for the Australian Financial Review writing special reports, advertising features, basically. So you go to them, you do a deal with their marketing department. They then go through with various middlemen who came to me and say, right, we want to interview this company and write it up. But it's not journalism. It's advertorial, if you know what I mean. So there's a different line there. It's a different structure. But the Australian doesn't want me to hand them back 800 words that said these people are so great. If I do that, they give it back to me. What they want me to write mm-hmm. is an article about, I don't know, we'll say they their area is VoIP, right? An article about VoIP and what's newsworthy and uh, what's trendy, not trendy, but trending, you know, what's worth writing about in VoIP. You start off talking about that and then you bring in the customer as like the voice of experience and you bring in some thought leadership and some advice and mention what they do in passing. That's maybe the same kind of approach you might want to take if you if you want them to actually talk to you rather than just write about your product, then you've got to have something to say to their audience that their audience will find useful apart from I am so great and what we sell is so good. So that's kind of the, mm. and then you've got to think about, well, what is it that I've got to say? What is it, a, a trend that I've spotted in the industry or something I know, something that I can, a value I can bring to the table that's not just spruiking myself. So yeah, don't just write. Yes, exactly. It's easy to it's easy. Do not just write and add. <laughs> yeah. It's not mm-hmm. the same thing. And if if you don't understand that, you will struggle to get anywhere because journalists have a bullshit filter and an advertising filter and they filter this stuff out very quickly. And if they see your so-called press release and it reads like an ad, swipe. I don't know, is it left or right? <laughs> I haven't. I don't know. Can't answer married, that, mate. Yeah, we're, we're all going to pretend we <laughs> yeah, so, right? Um, I've yeah. been married too long to know whether it's swipe left or swipe right, but swipe whatever the way is that says no thank you. Yeah, so stay away from ads. So it's really about really helping. And I think you go back to how do we help people make better yeah. decisions? What advice can we give? And I think that's where yeah. you're coming from. And is most content strategies are like that these days. If you look at businesses mm-hmm. that are putting together a content strategy and they might have a combination of things, they want to maybe have their own blog posts and they might want to get their stuff republished on some advertising sites. It'll often be about, here's what's happening. Go to any business website that has a good blog and the blogs will not be just about their products. The blogs will be about, okay, Microsoft's made a change to the latest version of Windows and here's how it affects you in this area or such and such. Here's a new trend. There's a new form of something, you know, going back to VoIP. There's a new protocol. What does it mean? When would you use it? Like useful information like that. That's the way to go about it. And then at the end, it's like, okay, now you can see I'm a trusted advisor. If you need to talk to someone about this stuff, come to us. Mm. And that's where you sell yourself right at the end rather than yeah. throughout the yeah. whole thing. Makes sense. Mm. Now, once you've got your, your publication target down, you know who you're writing to and what you want to get out of it, how do you suggest starting the article or the yeah. content that you're writing? Because I know writing is an art in its yes. own, on itself. Mm-hmm. So speaking of <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's some, yeah, it's not easy to write about yourself and not about yourself at the same True. time. Yeah, it- and people might struggle yeah. with it. So what sort of tips do you have to help someone formulate 
Well, it's a page. skill like anything else. It comes with practice. And it's the same with talking on a podcast because I've got my own podcast. And some people are great because they've got mm-hmm. the experience of being on the radio or podcasting and they make it sound easy and natural. And other people sound like they're reading from a piece of paper. The first time yes, you try to do yeah, this, but... you will sound like you're reading from a piece of paper. That's that's just, it comes with practice. Yeah. The main thing is, and this is with any writing I find, do not make the mistake of thinking that you need to write it from start to end properly first go every word right. It's not like a high school essay, where an exam where you get a piece of paper and a pencil and just go. The way to do it, actually, even a high school exam you do this, you brainstorm first. So you sit down, you've got your stuff at the top about your target audience and what you're trying to achieve, and then you think about, right, what's the most newsworthy and interesting things we've got that they would be interested in? What are the ideas, what I want to talk about? And you just throw this down on the page. You don't try and edit as you go because it's just about getting it all down there. That sounds how I, how I would write ants, mate. I edit everything as I go and I yeah. make a meal yeah. of it. Because it slows you. <laughs> Andrew writes sentences in the middle of yeah. other yeah. sentences. Yeah, I keep, I keep trying to edit it and edit it and edit it. And it just it becomes you a mess. can't do that. Yeah, that's that's like a, it slows you down. Yes. It's like if you're trying to get, get it all down and then you get stuck. No, that's not the uh-huh. perfect word. And then you spend 10 minutes mm-hmm. looking for the perfect word. You maybe lost the rest of it. Just get it all down there. Yeah, get it. And then once you've thrown all sense. your ideas on a page even if they're just words or phrases or whatever, then you start to shuffle them around a little bit. It's kind of almost like tipping all the pieces of a jigsaw out on the table. When you make, when you put a jigsaw, you don't start at the top left corner and put each piece in as you go. You tip all the pieces out and then you say, all right, here are the blue ones, here are the pink ones. I think these ones go together. So you've got your ideas on the page. You start to shuffle them around and go, all right, well, these ones kind of clump together. These would maybe make the beginnings of a paragraph, these would make the beginnings of the paragraph, sort of maybe turn it into bullet points. Okay, this one's more important. It'll be at the top. And after you finish that, you might have five bullet points with a couple of ideas under each. And that is basically the the structure, the outline of what you're going to, to work to. And like a news article, you want to get the most important stuff at the top. Do not leave the most important stuff till the end. Because I know this sounds a bit wanky, but when you're talking to a journalist, you are buying their time in five-second increments. If you're lucky, five-second increments. They get hundreds of emails land in their inbox every day. And if they're like me, they don't even read most of them. What you do is you scan down your inbox, you look at the sender, and you look at the subject, and you decide, do I need to spend five seconds looking at that? If it's like something that you know is not for you, you just keep going. So that's why you've got to make sure that even that is enough to grab their attention. If I do decide to click on it, again, you've bought yourself another five seconds because I don't have all day to read all these emails because I've got stories to write. I will read the first paragraph. And if the first paragraph appeals to me, you've bought yourself another five seconds. If it doesn't, swipe left or right or whatever it is, and I'll I'll keep going. I've got to find out which one that is because I'm embarrassing myself. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so that's the thing. And each, so that first paragraph has got to tell me, don't leave the gold to the fourth paragraph because I'm not going to get there. I'm going to move on. And it's the same when you write a newspaper article because people read the paper the same way. And you've probably seen yourself when you read the paper. You don't read every article from top to bottom, word to word. You skim through, you look at a headline and think, oh yeah, I'm interested in that. You read the first paragraph and decide if you want to read more. You look at another headline and go, no, that's not for me. Editors, uh, journalists and editors go through their inbox the same way. So you need to decide what's the most important newsworthy thing. And it's not, hey, we, you know, it's not, hey, I'm so great. It's probably more likely this is 
it's the who, what, when, where, and why of journalism applied again. What are the most important things here? What's going to make someone go, shit, I better read the next paragraph. That's really interesting. Okay, so it's all yeah, about that it's hook. all about that hook. And that, that will vary title or... per publication, per journalist, per everything. And that's why you've got to customize that each time. And that's, But again, don't feel that you need to get it absolutely word perfect the first time don't spend half an hour on your intro if you then know what the rest is you want to be start writing that get some ideas if you get a bit stuck move on to your next bullet point because often what you'll find and it's the same with me writing newspaper articles is that as you get further into it it becomes clearer what your intro should have been or you get to the end and realize oh i now know what the actual story is so you go back and change your intro so none of it's set in concrete at this point so don't stress too much about the start because you might figure it out as you go yeah i think most people probably get stuck in the process of editing yeah. as they go and it, all right that's what i've written and that's going to yeah. stay because i've no. spent time fixing it and now don't do it that bit. way it's not the it's not the most efficient way to do it and what happens then is you get wedded to a paragraph and this is the hard thing being a writer is sometimes your favorite sentence is the one that you've got to go the one that you poured your heart and soul into it's like no that one's just got i just have to be honest with myself it doesn't fit but you don't do that at the same time you write and then you edit I think you raised the interesting point there about you might be writing something and don't even know where it's going to go. You um, want to have a rough idea, get, but sometimes yeah, it becomes yeah. clearer as you go and you realize, mm-hmm. oh, mm-hmm. I'm on paragraph four and I've just realized this is the interesting uh-huh. bit. But there's no rule that says yeah. you can't then go back and go, all right, yeah. I'll rewrite that paragraph or keep two versions of mm-hmm. the if you change it. And when you're coming up with so all those- It's still creative yeah, then. Absolutely. Yeah? It's, it's still a creative process. You might have an outcome yeah. you're trying to get to an audience, but yeah, you need to consider consider it as a creative process, not a step-by-step thing that's just going to get the yeah. job done. And when you're throwing all those ideas down and when you're writing, if you decide something can go, you don't just delete it. What I do is I have a line at the bottom of the article that says, right, here's the bottom of the article. And then anything I get cut, I put below that line. It's almost like a, a scraps box, like a, a yep. copy- clipboard because you might get to the end and think oh that point from earlier was really good or hang on i need another paragraph you don't want to have chucked all that away so you keep all that stuff down the bottom just as notes so you might need to go back and look at it later that'll definitely help me uh, having to hit undo exactly. about 45 yeah. times copy <laughs> yeah. the line and then redo the same amount of times and not touch anything just so i can get back or if to you're trying to rewrite your intro <laughs> keep the first one there and then do a second one and then decide, well, which one do I like better and put the other one down. Don't feel that you need to delete it and start it again. Sometimes it's it helps to look at the first one and go, all right, how can I tighten this up or switch it around a little bit? And it might even become the intro for a second angle to another journal exactly. at that point. The stuff you put down the bottom, you might go, all right, that didn't fit here. But hang on, this is a consumer one, but this one's aimed at, you know, what we're talking about sound bars this one's aimed at people who sell sound bars not people who buy sound bars that's gold i'll keep that and use it over here yeah so it's just being aware of all the different ways you can talk yeah. about something mm. really and then knowing who that fits yeah. with going back to the jigsaw analogy it's almost like it's a hundred piece jigsaw but you've got 200 pieces in the box so you tip all the pieces out and you decide all right, which picture am i going to make for this person all right which picture am i going to make for this person and you might keep a lot of the same pieces but bits and pieces you'll swap in and out just to get the perfect picture for that person. That makes a bit of sense because in you're still covering the same mm. topic potentially yeah. across different categories and different journalists and maybe a different spin on yeah. it. So I think that's a good point for everybody just to think about, yeah, like I said, I think about 80% might be the same, but yeah, the, the header, the start and the end might be different. Especially the, the topic start. So that's what's doing all the hard work. Yeah. That's what's reeling them in. If okay. that doesn't do its job, the rest <laughs> of it's for nothing. Yeah. 
understand. So focus on the start pretty yeah. heavily. At least, is that the last thing you do? The start or you start from It there? depends. If Sometimes the start just comes really naturally. You just know what it is and bang, you okay. put it down. But if you get stuck on it, don't spend half an mm. hour on it. Spend a couple of minutes. And if my son's listening to this podcast, this is how you do your schoolwork too. You'd think if you had a writer in the family, you'd take some advice. But it's probably sitting right above me, so maybe I should keep my voice down. But yes, don't get too bogged down in it. Move on, come back to it, because it will become, as you write the rest of it, it'll become clearer to you. And you might be halfway through another paragraph and go, oh, I know what it is now. Go back up there, make a note for yourself, and come back to it later. Not being you. Okay. So I found, because writing is not normally the best thing I was ever good at at school. I was in maths and science and yeah. IT guy, not mm-hmm. an English person. And then I found like you, over time is you write something, you think you're wedded to it and you think, oh, that's gold. Like you said, like sometimes the worst things, the best things are the yeah. ones you have to cut that you think. But it's good yeah, because you, you're not good at writing. You commit to what you've written and you yeah. don't want to no, change you've it. Gotta, you've got to let go. Yeah. Sometimes not easy. For no, it's not. That, um, that's, that's that right often. So in terms of the practice side, just someone that wants to start writing, maybe just, they've got a lot, they've got a lot in the head. They've got a lot of background knowledge. They want to start writing a blog or whatever it is. Like, what sort of habits could they form around this? Because it's something that I think it's is like anything. It's a process. It's it's daily habits. It's weekly habits. Whatever it could be. What would you recommend that someone's starting out that's looking to maybe get some more things published and get some things out there in terms of their domain name knowledge? Well, if you're looking to improve your writing skills, it doesn't matter what kind of writer you are. Read. Mm Read what other people do. If you want to be a good novelist, read other novels. If you want to be good at writing press releases, go out there and read other businesses' press releases because they're all up online. They all put them on their own blog Mm. or on you know PR, Newswire or whatever. Look for the good ones. Look for the bad ones and think about, right, why does this one work and why doesn't this one work? And look at people's, look at their blogs and look at their thought leadership blogs and figure out, all right, which ones Mm. are engaging, which ones are not so much. Or go to places that post Go to places that publish guest posts. It might be somewhere like your, your smart company or Flying Solo or something like that. They will, they will post a lot of stuff from guest posts. And some of it will be clunky and oh my God, but others will be really engaging. You think, all right, why does this work? And so a bit of that, a bit of reading what other people do, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't helps you get a feel for it. And that, like I said, that's the same if you're a journalist or an author or whatever. It's, it's the same basic idea. So in your world, is are there particular journalists that you follow that you like to read? Um, I probably like to read the ones with a bit of attitude. So I, I like the okay. John Birmingham's and people like that. This pro- yeah, it's probably because I will normally, normally see stuff pop up on Twitter or maybe Google News. So it's the kind of the, yeah. the usual suspects. But there are some publications that you respect more than others or some journalists that you respect more than others. But it pretend, depends on the different fields as well. Like some will, you know, know more of one thing than another. But at the same time, if you start to read a bit, the journalists who write about your area, you probably already read their stuff anyway, just because it's something that pops up and you go, oh, that's interesting. But if you pay a little bit more attention to what they write about, then you get a feel for what they like and what works for them as well. And you can even throw in a, I love that piece you had last week on whatever. And I thought you might be interested in this. If you do a little bit of that, but mm. don't over egg it. If you just do a little bit of that, these journalists are like yeah. journalists love the sound of their own voice. Let's be honest, and they have egos. And you know, you can stroke it a little bit, but you just don't want to overdo it when it feels fake. Like when it feels like it's been done from a database and just dropped in, 
That's mm-hmm. bad. But just that, you know, I love to read some piece on such and such shows that you did actually read it sometimes can help, but also use that as your research to write. I know you're interested in this kind of stuff. That's probably going to help with the fact that um, you're not going to send someone like yourself a, an article about garden garden care. Exactly. Because <laughs> you haven't written one yeah. before. So yeah, do your research there. A very good point. So that's, I think that's good advice because... I think, yeah, like if we're going to learn something new, we probably want to follow other people that have led the path before. So learning from someone else is important. Have a look at what your competitors are doing as well. Have a look at Mm. what your competitors are doing in terms of blogs and in terms of press releases and see what works and what doesn't. Because this is what I, this is one of the first things I will do. If you come to me as a corporate writer and say, okay, Adam, we want you to write, uh, I don't do press releases, but I do thought leadership, like blog posts, and I do things like white papers and discussion papers and stuff like that. And one of the first things I will say to you is send me a link to a couple of things that you like. It doesn't matter who it was written by. It doesn't matter if it was written by your competitor or whatever, but just so I can get a feel for what you're looking for in terms of style, in terms of content, in terms of you know everything. So that can really help to have an idea in your head of this is what I think is an example of what's good. Or sometimes I'll even say, even if it's terrible, show it to me and tell me Mm -hmm. why you hate it. Because that will really help me get a feel. Because just saying to me, give me 800 words on VoIP. Well, all right, I can, but I can't guarantee that the 800 words you want. Like, you know, the more you can tell me you want what you want, the better what you'll get. You won't get a generic 800 words. You'll get something that's more suited to you. But if you can also point to something and say, I like the attitude in this, or I like the level of detail, that's often a thing because people, some people will want to keep it very high level and, you know, thought leadership and others will want to get down into the technical detail. I can do either, but you don't, if you want one, you don't want me to give you the other, but you need to tell me that up front. Yeah, and that'll come from understanding who you're yeah. writing for. Correct. Yeah, for understanding who you're writing for, but also understanding is what the, because I need to say to them, what is the goal of this? What are you trying to do? Are you trying to educate the customer? Are you trying to drive sales? Is this pre-sales? Is this post-sales? And then I under, you need to understand your audience. It doesn't matter what you're writing, you need to yep. know your audience. Yeah, it's the same with yep. anything really. If you're going to write it yourself or get someone to help you, you still need to know the goal. Yeah, but even if you want to get Otherwise, someone to help not going to deliver anything. Yeah, if you want, <laughs> if you want to come to me and say, Adam, help me write this, you can't just say, Adam, give me 800 words on VoIP. Well, you can, but you'll get 800 <laughs> generic words yeah. on VoIP. And that's frustrating yes. that some people think, but that's your job, isn't it, Adam? I'm paying <laughs> you to, to do that. It's like, yeah, but if the more you help me understand what you're trying to <laughs> achieve, the happier you will be with what I give you. And some people just cannot get their heads around that. Yeah. It's the same as, same as soft building a house. Yeah, it's software. Exactly, yeah, software. The, same. Give me a exactly the same. Yeah. yeah. Don't just say, give That's me it. an You don't go to an architect and say, build me a house and yeah. then walk away. Houses are good. Yeah. Exa- the- I often use the housing analogy for things. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, All exactly. the time. Yeah. Houses are great. doesn't matter what you're doing because it's got to have a foundation. It's done in layers. Mm-hmm. There are people who different do different jobs. There's the bricklayer and there's the architect and they have different roles and you can't expect one to do the other and you can't not hire one, not pointing the fingers at anyone particular I've worked with recently, but you can't not hire an architect and expect the bricklayer to design the building and then not be happy. It's like, well, no, that's yes. not their job. You know? Yeah, and you can't hire the architect yeah. and say, build me the house exactly. and walk away and not tell yeah. them that you but want to But also the architect's an architect, seven. not a bricklayer. So the architect's going to have to go out yeah. and hire a bricklayer and you've got to allow for that new costing. So you've got to understand that there are different roles to be to be played, yeah. So when I get down to actually physically making this interesting, engaging for the reader, 
what things do I need to consider? So we've got some dot points. We've, we're writing a little yeah. bit. Like, how much should I write? Well, how little should I write? What, what should I be focusing on? Well, at this point, you've got a, a good idea of what your intro is going to be. And you want to keep it probably under about, we'll say, 40 words, give or take. Nice and snappy okay. to the point. Yeah. And, and then and a nice tight headline as well. And then you probably, if it's a press release, you probably only want four or five paragraphs. You really don't need more than that. If it's something you're writing that you're hoping they will publish word for word, you might make it longer. But if it's just enough to grab my attention so I go, yes, all right, Anthony, I'll give you a call and we'll, we'll write a story about this. You don't need to write me 800 words. You just need to write enough to get me to want to write 800 words about you. Okay. Okay. I think yeah, most people get caught. You have no, to write not a in lot. A press release. Oh, I've been under the impression you four have to. Four or five yeah. paragraphs. You've really got to have a good reason to go past about paragraph five. because, And okay. it's all about writing concisely and engagingly. And most people cannot do this. And corporate people, business people, marketing people are the worst. And the reason why <laughs> is because they've been trained to think that the most convoluted way to say it makes you look smart. There's nothing, because I do a lot of ghostwriting or working on things like this with people who write business reports and they will find the most, you, you know what it's like when you read a business report and they've just, if there's a simple way to say it, no, I can't do that because people will think I don't know what I'm talking about. And I find this, when I ghostwrite for people, I sometimes have to go back and add some of that in. I'll write it the way I think it should be and then go back and add in a bit of this corporate doublespeak because or else they won't be happy with it because they think that their audience thinks they won't know what they're talking about if they don't talk like someone who swallowed a bloody dictionary. Not just swallowed a dictionary, swallowed a marketing dictionary. Don't do this because the journalist doesn't want to hear that. If your thing reads like it was written by a bloody committee of marketing people, they're not going to read it. It's got to be tight. It's got to be concise. It's got to be active tense. So look for every word that's redundant, every way you can get it to flow quickly and evenly. Every In that first paragraph, every word needs to be doing a job. And if it's not, find a way to get rid of it. And after that, every paragraph needs to be doing a job or else get rid of it. Do not tell me the same thing twice in two different ways in two different paragraphs because you've just wasted my time. It's just bang, 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 keep it concise. And that's what good reading is about. And see, when you read something like that, it's like anything. When someone does it well, you think it, look, it must be easy. Right? If you read something that's well written, it's like, oh, yeah, that was great. And then you try and write it yourself and it just comes out so clunky. So even Google like how to write in active tense or how to write even something like how to write a press release, there's lots of good stuff out there. And we'll tell you about this, about active tense, about writing in the third person, about keeping it neat and tight. Don't get too bogged down in technical detail on the first intro. Tell me the job of the first paragraph is to tell me as the reader why I should give a shit. That's what it comes down to. To use a technical yeah, to use a technical term. Mm -hmm. no. To use a technical term. Yeah. If it's not doing <laughs> that job, you've just wasted your five seconds. You've wasted your opportunity. Tell me why I should care. Why is this it's important? Got be it's gotta be efficient. But mm. not necessarily dry, but efficient. Yeah, because you need to engage engaging. It. A bit engage, there, right? Concise so. and engaging is yeah. what you're looking for. If it's mm -hmm. concise and engaging, it will be yeah. efficient anyway. But yeah, tell me to the point. And what I often find is if people are struggling with this, imagine you've just met me at a party, 
and we're talking. I'm like, oh, what do you do? And you're telling me about this stuff. And then you want to tell me about this. And I, I don't know as much about it as you do. You know why it's cool and interesting to you. And you want to explain that to me. How would you tell me in a couple of sentences why this is cool and why I should be interested in it? Don't give me the marketing spiel. It's not a marketing pitch. I'm not a corporate person. I don't care. Tell me why I, as your average punter, should care about the story you're just about to tell me. And if you can explain that just naturally as if you're talking to another person, what you just said is probably your intro or pretty close to it. That's when people do. I just say to people, because this is, it goes back to when I was a cadet. And the, the news desk editor, if I was struggling and he'd come and he'd look over my shoulder and he'd say, Adam, actually he'd say mate because he was South African. So everybody was mate. He'd say, mate, what's the story about? And I'd think about it and I would explain it to him and he'd say, well, that's it. Write it down. If you can, because what you've got to do is distill it and then explain it in such a way that it's interesting to someone else, which is easier for me because that's one of the key skills of being a journalist. So I understand that's harder for other people, but once you can explain it, concisely to someone else in a way that they will find interesting chances are that's your intro and if you can't do that if you can't explain to me in a paragraph why i should care go back to the drawing board maybe you're trying to cram too much in that paragraph maybe you're trying to there's maybe you're heading in the wrong track maybe you've got the wrong thing but you should be able to come up with one distilled idea this is why you should read the second paragraph you said one distilled idea there so each paragraph should be focused around just one point. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things yeah. where there can be exceptions to rules, yeah. like the 40, mm-hmm. the 40 words. If you go yeah. to 41 words yeah. and they have 41 words of pure <laughs> gold, then no one's going to hold That's that against you. But just, mm-hmm. yeah, think about is why is this here? Is the thing below it more important? Should that go higher? Because, But also sometimes you need to put things in a certain order mm-hmm. because there's something you might want to explain to me, but... Before you tell me that, you need to tell me something else really quickly so I understand what you're about to say. So maybe this key thing has to be in paragraph three because paragraph two has to set it up and tell me what I need to know. But keep it really tight and simple. Get there as quickly as you can. Do not piss fart around. Do not take the long way. Do you know what I mean? Get to the yeah, point. If there's something you yeah. need to tell me, Not-only tell me that first, but journey. get to the point. Perfect. There's quite a bit of Being detail to... there around what you could do. Anthony wants to say something because I want to dive yeah, I was say, so here. Like potentially read it yeah, out loud. Absolutely talk, read like, it out being loud. Able to I will do that myself when I'm writing. Reading it to yeah. someone. Read it out loud. Read it to someone else. Read it to someone else who doesn't understand it as well as you do. Because this is the mistake that people can make all the time when they're writing about stuff that they know well and that they're passionate about is they assume everyone else understands it as well as they do. And they assume everyone else cares about it as much as they do. Read it to a friend who knows what you do, but doesn't really, is not really into it, doesn't understand that much. And if they get to the end and go, oh, I don't understand it, then you've done something wrong. It's not their fault. It's your fault. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I found a, the other day I was writing an article for our blog and I found a little high tech way to do that sort of. Normally when I read, reread my yeah. writing, I still don't read oh, yeah, yeah, words yeah. in my head there, but they're not on the page. So instead of reading it out loud, I just found like an online thing where you do um, text-to-speech oh, and yeah. I just listen yeah. to it reading it back to me. Another thing you can do when you're – because as we said before, you write and you edit in two different phases and most people really struggle with that. And that's another thing about being a journalist is you learn how to do it. You write and then you stop. And I often find it's good to take a break in between because what I'll do is I'll write an article. When the article's finished, I will print it out and proofread it because I always find more mistakes reading it off a printer page than I do reading it off the screen. But – what I will normally do is after I've printed it out, I will do something else, whether it's have lunch, work on another story, leave it till tomorrow if it can wait. Because when you come back to it with fresh eyes, you pick up mistakes straight away and you go, oh, crap, how did I miss that? 
So don't yeah, do it so- straight away if you can help it. If you're doing it on the screen or even if you're printing it, change the font size because you look at it differently. But also changing the font size changes where the line breaks are because often you'll screw up across two lines. Like you might put a same word in there twice or leave something out because there's a line break there. And when you change the size of the font and break where the line breaks are, suddenly you see it because it's now in the middle of the page. Okay. Yeah, good tip. Yeah. Good little tip yeah, there. Great little tip there if you're starting on writing. Yeah, I like that. And read it back to yourself. Read it and not just in your head, out loud. When you read it out loud, you hear yep. yourself make the mistakes and don't rush through it because you'll rush through the things you think you know. And if you're like me, when I write, like I said, when I get stuck, I go back to the beginning. I don't know if anyone's seen The Princess Bride. When a job goes bad, you go back to the beginning. That's what I do all the time when I'm writing. If I'm stuck, I'm not sure what to do. I go back to the beginning and I read through it and I get back to that point. It's like, okay, I know where I'm going now, which means when I mm. edit it at the end, the first few paragraphs are usually nice and clean because I've read them 20 times. All the mistakes are in the last two paragraphs because I've only read them twice. So keep an eye out for that. <laughs> you over and over read the start. Yeah, and under read. Yeah. yeah, very true. So do you get other people to proofread your stuff or you just... I used to actually. That, How does that, that work? Funny. Yeah. I used to because yeah. uh-huh. my wife studied linguistics at university and uh-huh. she was not working for a few years doing the school mum thing. And so she would yep. proofread a lot of my stuff and she was very understanding because mm-hmm. she hates corporate speak. And I had so many <laughs> arguments with her about whether or not deprovisioning was a word. <laughs> I've got a mate who works at Cisco and he would like come into bat for me and go, yeah, it is worse. She's like, no, I don't care. Not in my house. I'm not having it. Um, but that was really helpful to get her to read over it because mm-hmm. she understood it well. From having read all my stuff, she understood it well enough to go, okay, mm-hmm. this bit's wrong or doesn't make sense. But she wasn't mm. so close to it that she couldn't go, nah, you've got this wrong or you screwed this up. Or hang on, you've just made a stupid mistake here that you can't see. So it really does help if you've got someone okay. else to read over it. She doesn't do that so much these days because she started working part-time now. Mm-hmm. So it's very rare, only if it's a, a big job or something particularly important, I might ask her very nicely if she'll read over it. But it absolutely helps <laughs> nice. if you can yeah. to get someone mm-hmm. else to read over, especially something like a press release. Get someone to yep. read it. They don't even have to be an expert in your field to pick up that, oh, you made a stupid mistake here that you just can't see because you wrote it. Mm. Yeah, good point. Now, there's obviously a lot of content that's been thrown at people here. So Yeah, sorry. I'm a good go talker. Like I said, journalists. Yeah, no, there's, there's plenty yeah, there. Journalists like the sound of dive their own into voice. it. Yeah. <laughs> what else? We're here to help non-techs build better tech. Now, the reason why you got, we've got you on is to take people through the point of maybe putting some articles together, getting your content out there. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. If you're starting out, you're early, you're maybe building a tech product or you're investigating, should I be investigating how I um, build up my domain name ex- expertise? How do I build up my credibility in the marketplace? Should I be writing early, even if I don't have a product, um, or be building a product? When should I start? If you've got something to say, yes. And that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. You must have something to say. And I even noticed this with myself because well, not so much these <laughs> days because the market's changed a little bit. But there was a time when I used to write 10 blog posts a week across different publications. So you end up basically strip mining your life for content. You need a lot to talk about. But, <laughs> That's a lot of content. Yeah, yeah. But you must have yeah. a point because there's nothing worse than reading an article in a paper and realizing mm-hmm. this person doesn't actually have an articulate point. They haven't drawn this all together. They've ranted over here and ranted over there and it doesn't actually all join up. So make sure you've got a point. What have you got that's worth saying? Not just because you want to spruik your thing, but you have something worth saying that other people will find mm-hmm. helpful or interesting. If you have mm-hmm. something like that, then yeah, it can help to start build up, building up your credibility and your place in the industry. 
get involved in forums and websites and stuff like that and get to know people, you know, meet people online and, and contribute. Show that you've actually got something to contribute and you want to be part of this, what's the word, not society, you know, group and not just community. community. Right? Thank you. That's the word I was looking yeah. for. That's you right. think the man would write for a living. Yeah, he, he knows his words. <laughs> but you have something to contribute and you're not just someone who wants to blow mm. in at the last minute and say, hey, buy my stuff. Mm. Yeah, if you can add value along the yeah. way and help a community out, I think it's a lot more. It gives you that credibility when you go exactly. and try, bring a product to the marketplace. And I think if you've built that reputation of being a helper or someone yeah. that's adding value, it becomes much easier for people to look at what you have to offer. But it's also market um, research because then you understand yeah. the market better. You understand what people are interested in. Mm-hmm. Like for me, yeah. my friends all know if I help you with a tech problem, it's gonna, you're going to end up in the paper. That's the price for my help because I've just learned mm-hmm. something. And I've learned that if you mm-hmm. had that problem, someone else probably has that problem as well. So participating yeah. in this community helps you understand the community, helps you understand their needs, maybe what they need to know, maybe what they don't know, what mm-hmm. are their common misconceptions. That's a good – whenever I do – any kind of corporate writing, and I'm writing about yep. a business, the two questions on my list will be, what are the biggest challenges that businesses face the customers in your area? And what are the biggest misconceptions they tend to have? When you sit down at the table with them to start talking, what do they tend to, to have wrong? Because they're the things that people want, need to know and they to need to read in an article. And the way I always like to pitch my corporate stories uh, whether they're actually, whether they're corporate or whether they're journalism or biz tech stories, I want a C-level executive to be reading this article and go, oh, shit. Hey, Bob, do we do this? Like, have we thought about this? Are we on top of this? I want there to be something in there that makes them go, gee, I'm glad I read this. I need to make sure that we've got this covered. The more you are part of your community and the more you understand not just your product but your sector – the more you can offer that kind of value that people read what you've thought, and, Shit, that's good. I better make sure our people know about that. I better read something else this person's written. It's digging in. It's yeah. understanding the domain. And you can't um, fake if that. If you're going to walk in industry. Yeah. No, you can't. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You need to really dive in. I think understanding biggest misconceptions, I think that's really, really good. Yeah. And it gives me, um, I think Anthony and I have been uh, playing around um, putting a, a bit of a webinar together. And one of the things in the software space is, People just like to jump in and build stuff. Yeah. And this is the same. Like people might want to jump in and write something, but if you don't understand your market, don't understand who you're targeting, you're going to be in a lot of trouble in a world of pain because yeah. nothing's going to get delivered Absolutely. in a text space yeah. or in an article space. Yeah. It's There's a lot of analogies between writing software and writing articles, especially yeah. like yeah. writing a white paper, <laughs> writing mm. a 10,000-word white paper that, that <laughs> you don't just sit down and yeah. write the first word and then write no. the second Like there's a lot of structure and you've got to know your audience. You've got to plan it out, break it into modules, the whole thing. There's a lot of analogies mm-hmm. there, just like your software, the mm-hmm. way you, you sit down and plan your software, mm-hmm. you do the same with your writing. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, and unless you plan it and have that knowledge and everything, you won't provide the value yeah. and you'll just end up with the and wrong thing. You'll have wasted your time and your money and other people's time. Yep, exactly. Adam, now, I'll, yep. oh, oh, okay. I'll let you go. No, now. you go. That's fine. I'll say, so now with all these tips and everyone's gone on board, so if we were to start writing, are there any sort of like tools that anyone could use besides Word and like Google Docs? I'm a fan of like Grammarly. Yeah. Anything like that you would say would be helpful to people to just help tighten up some um, of this stuff? Well, some people might not be able to tell that some people can struggle with uh, yeah, there yeah. and there sometimes. I, <laughs> I write in Google Docs. I was writing in Google Docs when it was rightly before it was Google Docs. And part of the reason why is working for myself, I wanted the ability to jump between computers and not 
lose anything. I you know, jump between a machine, a hard drive dies, or just I'm out and I need to write on something else. So that's where I do my writing. And I find I prefer to do that than write in Word, A, because I don't like Word, and B, because I don't want it stuck on one computer. Now, these days, I know Word and Office 365 means I can write in one computer and it goes up to the cloud, but it didn't work that way 20 years ago when I was starting out. Yep. Word, sorry, um, Google Docs. Now, I'll just have a look on my computer while we're talking. This is the thing, like I said, my wife used to do my proofreading and when she stopped doing it, it's like, all right, I'm going to have to lift my game here. So I went and looked for a few plugins that they're not as good as her, but they do help. And one of the best add-ons I found for for Google Docs was called, uh, I look here, it's called Grammar and Spell Checker Dash Language Tool. Check full document. I'll try it now and I'll tell me what it's called. I think maybe it's just called Language, yeah, Language Tool Proofreading Software. It's a free plugin for Google Drive and it doesn't just pick up typos and stuff. It also picks up sentence structure. Have you used the wrong there, there, and there? Have you started five sentences with the word the, and maybe you should vary it? There's a paid version that'll pick up a few other things. But also Google Drive and Google Docs itself has got a lot better in the last 12 months or so in picking up things like tenses. Like it's really easy to screw up your tenses because you write a sentence and then you change, you go back and make a change and you don't fix the rest of the sentence. But with Google Drive, Yep. If you've written run and now you've run, changed something in the start of the sentence, which means it should now be running, it'll flag that. It'll spot all those things where, okay, okay. you've got this wrong. So Google has a lot of that built in. And like I said, I don't really write in Word, but Word probably has a lot of that built in as well. So those the built-in tools plus language tool proofreading for Google Drive or Google Docs will get a lot of it for you. It's still not perfect. Like you still, you wouldn't just write it, run that over it and send it. But that mm-hmm. they those mm-hmm. two really help. Yeah, oh, cool. Yeah, I'm sure it'll yeah. help someone out there. Had that, had that episode I'm a fan with of um, Grammarly. Yeah, there. I had a weird episode of Grammarly. I can't remember, but it just put some random word in there, and I thought it was correct, yeah. and it didn't mean anything. I think so I looked you at think Grammarly, it, but I yeah. decided I liked yeah. this one better. But yeah. that was a while ago, so it's, it's worth going back and having a look at a couple. And there's nothing stopping you trying a couple and seeing what you think of them. Mm. But that one I okay. found worked for well yeah, for me. Little yeah. tools that'll help. You used to spell checks, and might as well just yeah. take it to the next level mm-hmm. with a grammar check. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I just got to figure out how to uh, stop writing in passive voice. Yeah, well, but that's perfect. That's what you want. You want active voice because active voice tends to be fewer words and tends to be more engaging. Can you explain that a little bit for anyone's listening? Oh, active versus passive? Is it hard to explain? But it's a go. Because I need, yeah, it's a I tar- need an example. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, oh, let's see, like I'm, we yeah. have done I, something. I, think I, did, I did this as opposed to uh-huh. I have done this. Now, I did this as shorter and a bit more to the point than I have done this. Yes. You'll find a lot of haves and woulds and that is a good word. Nine times out of 10, you don't need that. If you okay. go back and look at it, it's not doing, if the word's not doing a job, if it doesn't need to be there, mm-hmm. get rid of it unless it's, unless the sentence doesn't make sense without it or it's confusing without it. But yeah. So less words is better. Less like words is better. Concise. Yeah, get rid of your, yeah, okay. your, those filler words. You don't want mm. fill, filler words is maybe, it's not a technical term I know, but that's kind yep. of what I'm trying to say. Get it. But All people right. who write business reports and they say the most painful things or they don't want to say, oh, they don't, oh, they, hang on, what's the word? This is one that I really hate, right? When I'm working with marketing people and I write something mm-hmm. and they need to share it with their team to look over it, they don't share it with the team. You know what they do? They socialize it. And I want to reach down Zoom and choke them when they say that. I hate it. My wife would have a fit <laughs> if I used socialize like that in this household. It's not so, but they say that because they want to sound like they know 
what they're talking about. It's like, oh, I'm so clever and I know all the marketing speak. Do not do that in your press releases, in your thought leadership when you're engaging with people because people, it's not impressive. It's just annoying. I've heard things like, like to use the right words. Even target it to, I don't know, at the age of a what, nine, ten I've year heard old. That, yeah, nine, is that year nine? Yeah, year nine, year eight, or whatever it's it might be. Something as a target. Yeah. yeah, okay. All right. So you just keep trying to keep on your audience too, though. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're okay. if you're writing for other develop if you're a software developer and you're writing for other developers, you can have a certain amount of assumed mm-hmm. knowledge there. Yeah, yeah that's different. If you were trying yeah, to that's explain that to a mainstream audience, mm-hmm. you might be writing about the same things, but you'd approach it a very different way. You'd explain a few concepts up front. You try even mm-hmm. then try not to get too jargony, too technical. Make it flow. Yeah. Often you can just look at a paragraph, and if it looks ugly because half of it is caps and brackets and numbers and stuff and it just doesn't look like an elegant sentence then maybe you need to redo it your first especially that first paragraph just looks like needs to look like neat and elegant text i kind of i don't know how to explain it better than that but if you know what i mean if it's full of acronyms and stuff and it just looks ugly then maybe you need to go back and rework it yeah, and then knowing that detail to include. So if we go back to the yeah. soundbar example, one uh, one audience would say, all right, this soundbar has yeah. seven speakers. The other audience will say there's seven drivers of 42 yeah. mil with this frequency mm. response rate and, co- and curve. And another audience stuff. is it comes in seven colors. I, I hate that, <laughs> yeah. but I have to acknowledge that that's yeah. an order. There's some people want that. I don't like to do that because I'm a nerd, mm-hmm. but sometimes, <laughs> you know, the customer's always right. The audience is always right. If that's what that audience wants to hear, then maybe that's what you've got to tell them. Yep. I think there's, there's, a, there's a challenge there. I think people have said this before. You're writing for an audience, not for your competition. I think, exactly. especially if you're writing something technical, yeah. but you don't want it to be technical to your industry. You want it to be technical enough for it, yeah. but it gets the message across, but it's not too technical that no yeah. one, your customers don't understand it. Yeah. So yeah. And you it's, know your customers really well. There. So if you're mm-hmm. writing it for Correct. your customers, you know them really well, but if uh-huh. you're writing it for a publication for someone else's audience, then you need yes. to start to get an idea of who that audience is. And if they're, that audience is basically the same as your customers, then that's easy. Mm-hmm. But if it's not, then you need to spend a bit of time. And that's why go and read the other things that that publication publishes and the, the level of technical detail that they go for and the level of engagement that they go for and try and get something too similar. Don't bury it down, inspect it. Like if you're, like I said, you know, if you're selling a new soundbar, it's very unlikely that your first paragraph would list all the great specs of the soundbar. No, bury that a bit further down unless it's pick one spec that is the one that's really amazing and will impress people because it's new. It does Dolby Atmos, right? If it does Dolby Atmos, put that in the first paragraph because Dolby Atmos is new and interesting and newsworthy and topical and people go, oh, I've heard of Dolby Atmos. I want to know more about that. Mm. But that's the thing. Find Mm. out this is good. Whatever you're doing, What's the Dolby Atmos in it? What's the bit that people will go, oh, that's interesting. Either I didn't know about that or I've heard about that. Because if you're, and this is what I use as a guide when I'm writing about tech, I'm a nerd. I'm interested in this stuff. I tend to be what's ahead of the curve in terms of what people are discovering. So if I find something interesting, then chances are other people will either find it interesting or are just about to discover it. And I might be the reason why they discover it. If I find something old news, well, then it's probably really becoming old news, you know. So you've got to, mm-hmm. I use what I'm interested in as a bit of a guide, but you can't use that as a hard and fast rule, but as a bit of a guide. And you do the same. It's like, okay, what is it about this that's cool, that's new, this uh, new format, a new standard, a new something, Dolby Atmos, 
That's what you want to focus on to begin with. And then later you talk about the size of the tweeters and the woofers and the numbers of thises and that's and whatever's and, you know, D-class amplifiers. You don't put all of that in the intro. Yeah, don't overcomplicate the intro. Yeah. Pat it out in the body. Yeah, and, and even then don't the pat end. it out yeah. too much. Yeah, okay. Yeah, concise. I forgot about that yeah. one. <laughs> Keep it concise. Yeah, just yeah. focus on one point yeah. at a time. Brilliant, Adam. Um, I think that's plenty of information for people just to get started. So I think we had a bit of a chat around um, starting it, and I think going to read other people's articles and where you want to be get publicized is probably one of the biggest takeaways yeah. from uh, this conversation for for me coming on the outside in. You've been working a little bit with Anth in the past, and uh, but for me, I think that's a really good tip for anyone that wants to get started in writing. Go and read about where your customers are, what they're reading, and what are the articles that exist there. I think it's a really good point. Adam, if anyone wants to find out about you and just maybe wants you to write some articles for them, how might they reach out to Adam Turner? What's the best place uh, to get best, in contact with the you? The best way is to just find me online. I'm at adamturner.com.au. Or if you put in Adam Turner, I tend to tend to come first, which must really annoy the other Adam Turners. I'm sorry, but I've done my SEO for work. Such, for such a generic name, yeah. you've done well. Yeah, no, I've done my very, SEO work. I've, simple name. I've, I've yes. come up fairly yeah. highly. Yeah, and yeah, the, just a very quick explanation of what I do, though, is I'm part journalist, yeah. I'm part corporate writer, and I can do one or the other, but not uh-huh. both. So you can come to me and say, Adam, we've got an interesting story to tell that maybe the age might uh-huh. be interested in, and I will pitch that to the agent if they want it. They, I write it for them. They pay me. You don't. Or you can come okay. to me and say, Adam, I want to press, write a press release and you pay me and I help you write it. But then you can't say to me, mm-hmm. Adam, can you help me get that in the paper? If you've yeah, paid okay. me as a corporate writer, you can't pay me for the journalism side of it because my clients don't want that. I have to have a certain level of independence. If the age thinks that mm-hmm. I'm getting paid by you to get them in the paper, that doesn't fly. And some people get that line and some people don't. So I sometimes have to have that conversation with them at the start, but I can do one or the other. I can't do both. It's a conflict of interest, right? Exactly, it's a conflict of interest. And most people get that, (laughs) but sometimes they struggle, especially if they're from a marketing world where to them the line's really blurred and those two. And I have to just be understanding. They're they're not bad people. They're just different to me. I get it. In your world, it doesn't work that way. So I try to just be polite and explain, no, in my position, Mm -hmm. this is the way it has to work. Perfect. Yeah. No, I appreciate it, Adam. Thanks for coming on and sharing um, your world of history there and also some, yeah, some really good points for people to take away and begin the writing process if they haven't already. Yeah, it was great to chat. Yeah. Thanks, Adam. And if anyone out there listening starts gets inspired to write up an article, tag us and let us know what you've written. Cheers, Adam. Thank you. No cool. worries.